0: Recorded live, Union Inn, Washington, D.C. 1112, 1114, 3rd Street, Northeast. We are steps to Nomegaludet Metro. Nice, brisk walk to Union Station. And a leisurely jaw to the Capitol, Capitol Hill. I am the illustrious Innkeeper Freddie, host extraordinaire. Ladies and gentlemen, Welcome to Guest Book Podcast. Sounds like Oregon Trail, doesn't it? (laughs) But we don't have dysentery. (laughs) (laughs) We're here at Union Inn Guest Book Podcasts. We have a very, very special guest at the Inn right now. She's been here for a whole week in town on business. Sunny Hykus Napton, And she is from the Northern Plains area of the United States of America. And believe me, we'll get to that. But first, what are we listening to?
1: The infamous String Dusters, Gravity.
0: Who are the infamous String Dusters and why did you pick this song?
1: I'm surprised you don't know they are an incredibly famous bluegrass band, they're also friends of friends. Um, oh. and uh, we got to see them on a show in Bozeman, Montana, uh, Valentine's Day this past year. And uh, they just have a great sound, great vibe, and uh, they like river trips, they like Montana, and uh, I, I think that that song just uh overall you know has the musical components of something that you'd like but um i think the concept of gravity speaks to some of the forces on our life that are outside our control
0: you mentioned montana yep you live in a city called hold on ennis Ennis. montana Mm
1: -hmm. short e
0: short e yeah Mm e-n-n-i-s
1: it's a hour west of big sky The biggest skiing in America. This is a pretty important part of our region. Mm -hmm. Um, We are an hour south of Bozeman, which is uh, where the university is and the place where we have to go when our kids need school shoes.
0: Which university?
1: Uh, Montana State. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a land grant college. Um, Mm -hmm. And then we are about an hour north of the border at Yellowstone National Park. All righty. Mm-hmm.
0: Ennis is in western Montana, correct?
1: Yeah, southwest. Mm-hmm. Southwest, okay. Yeah. In Montana, you kind of identify by the valley that you're in. Okay. So we're in the Madison Valley. So it's a big river system that goes from Yellowstone National Park all the way to uh, Three Forks, Montana, which is the headwaters of the Missouri River.
0: Okay. Okay. And you're pretty high up there, elevation-wise, right?
1: Yeah, we're about 5,000 feet where we're, where we're at. And then we can see mountains that go up to about 11 from our house.
0: Can you see the mountains of Big Sky?
1: Not quite. No, it's funny. It's My husband works there, but there's this other big mountain that's right in between <laughs> us. So like, we look up and we can see Fan Mountain. And we know that behind it is Lone, which is where Big Sky is. Mm-hmm. But we have to go either... 5 miles to the north or 5 miles to the south to actually see Lone Mountain because it's behind the other mountain.
0: A lot of people in Montana are very outdoorsy. Would that mm-hmm. be a correct assessment? That's correct assessment. Okay. Was it more along the hunting variety? Is it the hiking variety, camping variety, or fishing variety?
1: Everybody does everything sometimes. It just depends on the sea. it's kind of you know these seasons, right? So there's ski season okay. and then there's uh, I mean fishing season and then there's hunting season and biking season and okay. you know uh, it just depends on what you're into but you and they just, don't overlap yeah there is a little bit well if you know like in <laughs> uh in certain times of the year you can go play a round of golf uh in the morning and then the next day you can go skiing if you want to because that's what happens when you are uh, on a landscape where it's five thousand feet difference yeah you know? yeah
0: when does ski season start
1: uh officially chairlifts start turning uh november okay. and then they'll go until april but um one of the things that a lot of diehards do is they ski every month of the year so they'll go hard. back country um we actually did that with our family in july of this year we Took all of our ski gear and uh, hiked into a snowfield and took our 20 turns and then hiked <laughs> back out.
0: And there was, there was really snow to be able to ski yes. on. Wow. Yeah. yeah, yes. How high up was this?
1: Uh, I bet it was probably 9,000 feet. Wow. Yeah. But you're hiking in shorts and a t-shirt with a backpack (laughs) with the skis and your boots attached to it and you know gotta wear the sunscreen gotta bring the mittens kind of a situation
0: wow it's almost like a polar bear dive type deal like you're doing it just to say you did it
1: pretty much (laughs) yeah it was a total novelty ski uh it's not something that uh, we got and got back to the vehicle and we're like well, we're glad we're not gonna do that again for a while. (laughs) So, yeah.
0: Montana and South Dakota are both part of an area called the Northern Plains.
1: Mm -hmm. What
0: are the other states that are included in that?
1: Um, For me, because it's part of my job title, Mm -hmm. uh, the Northern Plains states are Montana, North and South Dakota, Nebraska and Kansas. So I work for a nonprofit called the National Association of Conservation Districts. We have headquarters uh, here in Washington, D.C. And my position is the Northern Plains region representative. So conservation districts are local entities that work on soil and water uh, projects and education. They formed after the Dust Bowl. As a way of creating a network of people on the ground who actually took good care of the soil and water resources in their area, so our organization helps to support 3,000 conservation districts in the United States. Wow! Yeah.
0: Western Montana, it's got the height and sorry, the elevation, mm-hmm. and it's uh, a lot of trees out there and mm-hmm. valleys, like you said. Mm-hmm. But eastern Montana. Is a bit different
1: yeah it's more a prairie landscape yeah it's so just flat it, uh, it's it's not flat um, but you can see where the earth curves gotcha yeah it's really quite a stunning landscape a lot of people kind of compare it to being on the ocean hmm. you know but Uh, if you spend time on it you get to see the topographic features Um, they call them coolies Um, and that's where the trees will grow and then you know depending on where you are you might see you know some places where it's a lot wetter or you know more deserty or sagebrush or um, it's it's a landscape that I think is really fascinating and one of the things that uh is being recognized too is that it's I mean so it's this massive expanse of a really specific type of habitat and um, it's fairly compatible with cattle ranching because a lot of grass yeah it's a lot of grass the cows like the grass Uh, you know they don't stay in one place for very long they move around and so And when you've got a well-managed operation, they can support cows, they can support families, they can support communities, and then they can support these species that have been on the landscape for thousands and thousands and thousands of years.
0: Wow. So a lot of ranches out there.
1: There's a lot of ranches, big ranches, small towns, big ranches, people with great hearts.
0: Are the Badlands included in eastern Montana?
1: Um, there's sections of the Badlands in North Dakota and South Dakota um uh, it might come close, but I've always known the Badlands because it's a place that we would go when I was a kid in South Dakota,
0: so the Badlands aren't an actual area, but more so. A type of feature within an area
1: yes and yes so they are um, a type of feature that is kind of known for its you know like geologic time period and as well as its you know rotability and and um, its position on the landscape but it's also a national park okay yeah and so um, it's uh, it's a really pretty remarkable area in terms of it you just literally feel like you're on another planet when you drive through there.
0: Uh it looks more so deserty. Yeah. It's one of those things where I'm trying to explain it for the people at home who haven't who, who may have heard of it but can't recall picture wise what it looks like. It's one of those things where it's like a big rock. And then, as you look at the face of the rock going down, you can see kind of the erosion over the years. Because mm-hmm. I'm guessing there used to be a lake or a river or something that used to it be, or is that ocean. just all wind? Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, depositions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and it's you know it's it's old like dinosaurs in there are old. Yeah. Um If so, you see a picture
0: of it, you 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 realize you've seen it before.
1: Yeah, probably in a movie. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, but it's interesting because you'll be driving along the South Dakota Prairie and then all of a sudden off in the distance you'll see this and it'll be like, whoa, what just happened? Um, so it just stops immediately. Yeah, and, or if you're coming from the other side, you'll you know, be going along and they call them tables. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll be out on this table and it's you know, it's, uh, it's a big kind of grassland area and then it'll just drop off. Yeah, and then you look across uh, this kind of chasm. Um, and so it's lower. S- hmm yeah, hmm yeah.
0: Wow. Does that have anything to do with tectonic plates, like, or anything like
1: that? Uh, everything has to do with tectonic plates, right? <laughs> Touche. I mean, this this goes way back. I mean, this is, like I said, this is, you know, a dinosaur old, so continental drift, Pangea. This is the kind of stuff, like, this is the reason why when we go to... Uh, hike in the mountains in montana we find seashells on the summits you know that's That's crazy yeah Yeah. that's really crazy yeah and they didn't degrade no they're fossils hmm right yeah not everything has been the way we think it has been for such a long time
0: Mm. all right one last thing for seven questions um standing rock that is an area that straddles north dakota and south dakota correct
1: Um, yes I think that that is an area where there's two different reservations that border each other
0: I see Cheyenne River Reservation and Standing Rock Indian Reservation
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: so from my limited research on this the way I understand it was they wanted to build an oil pipeline and it was originally going to run by Bismarck which is the state capital of North Dakota but they were worried about it um, messing with the water supply so they rerouted it to have it go under a lake as well as the Missouri River
1: yeah I think the, the lake is actually an impoundment on the Missouri okay mm-hmm.
0: I don't believe that this was passing through stand, the Standing Rock Indian Reservation but it was in such a way that it would impact the water quality uh, for not only Standing Rock Indian Reservation but the areas below that
1: that was a concern. Yeah.
0: So being someone who's from South Dakota, just what have you heard about this, what are your thoughts on it? Um, is there any additional insight that you can give the listeners home about this whole issue?
1: Um, there's a lot to be said for this situation. Well, so there's, I guess, two main thoughts that come to my head is... um number one you know this is this is not an unrecognized risk right we've there's a there's a crisscross pattern of uh buried oil pipelines and other pipelines that are all over in our country um and they go under rivers and uh rivers don't always stay the same they change and sometimes uh what can happen is those pipelines can get exposed uh they can get damaged and then they can rupture and then you've got oil pouring into your rivers yeah this, which we don't want this happens i mean this has happened in the last couple of years in Montana so it's not uh it's not a risk that is unfounded mm-hmm. or you know it's uh it's not something that uh um, it's without merit in terms of a concern. Yeah um, That being said There are a lot of them that stay whole. There's a lot of them that don't get damaged. Yeah um, but When you are dealing with this type of landscape and you know The Northern Plains is uh, for the most part a very water limited area so uh, What is there? is very valuable gotcha. um, and uh, any sort of contamination to the water is a challenge for the communities. It's a challenge for the land use, it's a challenge for the species. So it, it is it is a true concern um, And uh, I think that, you know, kind of like we were talking about uh what's the resource what's the area of resource that we should all be thinking of it's it's again it's it's water yeah um i think the other part of the story is uh the way that um tribal communities look at the landscape okay. um and that is a story that not enough people know and not enough people recognize so um, a lot of folks who have their religious backgrounds in, um, more, you know, traditional Western settings and Christianity and that sort of thing. Um, uh, and I was raised, uh, in a, a, Christian household, uh, our, our deities were Christ and, you know, Lord. And, um, we learned about the disciples and, you know, we learned about, Um, all of these kind of people who were the examples for us and how we should live a good life. Yeah. The tribal communities, um, a lot of them, you know, their deities are linked to this land. Yeah. You know, It's not as intangible. Yeah. And so, you know, when uh, you, you talk about the elements and you talk about the, the wildlife, um, they are part of their creation stories. And so for us to just look at the water and say that's a resource that we're concerned about and we need to protect it, that's our that's our western viewpoint of it um, from the standpoint of um, you know what I have learned from um, my friends who are members of the tribal communities. Um, their viewpoints are, something different than that and yeah. i and i think that, that 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 is part of the discussion that a lot of people um are not necessarily fully comprehending yeah yeah and
0: you know america really didn't start populating these lands until you know the early 1900s right
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: and prior to that it was just native american land mm-hmm. so there's definitely a lot of issues going on with that a lot yeah. at play.
1: Yeah, it is. And I, you know, I think at the, at the soul of it, uh, so long as we're not able to put ourselves in a position where we care to listen to someone else's story and we care to understand their perspective, um, these kind of situations are going to continue to just go round and round and round um you hit the nail on the head right there yeah
0: like having open and frank discussion between people that isn't name calling yeah but like actually substantive Mm -hmm. discussion
1: yeah because i think if you were to go to this country in north dakota and talk about economic development um, people get that you know they they understand the value of jobs they understand the value of you know, bringing money in so that you know they can have functioning uh, school systems, and so that they can have you know counties that can take care of the infrastructure and that sort of. They they understand uh, that that's an understandable conversation. I think it's when you need to also listen to the other side of the conversation where people start talking about you know that connection with the land, the connection with the water, and you know how they view it and what it means to them. It's that's where we need to get a lot better at having a discussion. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well put. Thanks. You ready for the seven questions? Yeah. All righty. what's the call, what? y'all? It's the questions. It's the questions, boy.
1: It's the questions It's the questions. Yeah. The questions. Question uh, number 1. Y'all. It's the questions. The it's the the questions. Library? Come on the questions. Uh the it's worst the hard time Timmy and
0: What's it about? It
1: is about the Dust Bowl. Um, But it starts way before that. And it follows a number of different families and characters. um, And it explains a history uh, that happened in the late 1800s and the early 1900s that led up to and were variables that played into the Dust Bowl. And a completely soil bias here it's one of the things that uh, explains how conservation districts were formed and the value of having people who live on the land to champion good practices so that we don't see another dust bowl
0: worst hard time was this a Historical fiction, that's the word I was looking for.
1: Historical, well, a ton of it is straight-up history. Okay. Um, But the way he describes the characters and the way he introduces the characters... Um, that is very much storytelling yeah. you know and I think that's one of the ways that I got so drawn into that book is that you got drawn into the characters and then you got to, you got to learn about their setting and the other things that were influencing what was going on in their life by hearing the, the elements of the history and the elements of the, the weather and the elements of crops and wars and all this other kind of stuff but you, you got drawn in because you wanted to know what happened to these people
0: got you yeah number two podcast to subscribe
1: um the life in norway show which is um uh it interviews um expats often that live in norway about their life in norway it's not in norwegian but it's um it's recorded in norway um and the guy is actually british huh yeah yeah can he speak norwegian I think he probably does but he interviews it in English. Yeah.
0: Do they do a overdub for people who want to listen to it in Norwegian?
1: I don't think so. My, I mean most Norwegians speak English. So gotcha.
0: Number 3, something you didn't know you needed to, you got it.
1: Um well, I actually brought it with me. I wish the whole world could see it. Yeah,
0: I, um, I, I took a picture of it. I'm going to use that as one of the teaser posts for okay. your episode on Excellent.
1: Instagram. Um, I think it was probably four or five years ago. My husband went on a trip and we had one of those uh, conventional coffee makers. It was like a Cuisinart and it sits on the counter. And I kind of felt bad, you know, making this pot of coffee for myself it was just me drinking the coffee so I started using this moga pot which is this little Italian uh, espresso pot that goes on the stovetop um, and it it's the it's the version it's supposed to make six shots of espresso uh, I think this one is actually from 1990 um, I think I got it from my mom's house I actually don't even know where it came from Um, and I fell in love with it because for one, it makes a damn good cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. Um, and for two, it like brought me back down away from like lights and beeping and things that plug in and all that kind of stuff. And when I make coffee in the morning, it's just this little, you know, pull apart, Two-piece device on the stove. Load it up with coffee, and you turn the stove on, and then you wait. And it's about eight to ten minutes, but there's no beeping. So you have to like it teaches you to be present. You <laughs> you have to be there to hear it percolating, um, because once it's in percolating, you got to turn it off, mm-hmm. and then voila, you're ready. But if you think that you're gonna Go off and do something else, or you know, lose your focus. You will miss out on your coffee because it'll get burnt and boil and nasty.
0: Yes, indeed. Yeah. Unplugging—that seems to be a common thread for a lot of people I've been talking with recently.
1: Yeah. yeah. And,
0: ladies and gentlemen, this thing has been getting use. Mm-hmm. She travels with it wherever she goes.
1: This is why I stay in Airbnbs. <laughs> yes indeed because you will not be able to bring your mocha pot into a hotel room and be able to make coffee you have to have a stove you
0: have to have a stove Mm -hmm. now the burn marks that I see on the bottom is that solely you or did you get it like that
1: I probably added to it a little bit but awesome. she's had some she's had some years on her. And when I lived uh, I took my kids and lived in Norway for sorry. My kids and I moved to Norway for a half a year okay. in 2017 and that was in my carry-on. Uh, oh,
0: they let you bring that on?
1: I that's when you roll through security with one of those in your carry-on, they don't even blink.
0: Wow. You try to
1: bring yogurt, you watch out.
0: Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. The cultures. I know, right. But yeah, so I guess it's common.
1: Apparently, or I don't know. Or they all know, nod, nod, wink, wink. She's a good one letter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, this thing looks like it's it's battle-tested. Yep. Number four, bucket list place to travel. This place in the world that you have been to that you recommend listeners add to their bucket list.
1: The Lofoten Islands off of uh, the coast of Norway. How do you spell that? L-O-F-O-T-E-N.
0: Lovin Islands. Okay. Yeah. What is the warmest that it gets there?
1: Maybe seventy-five.
0: Wow. Are there hot springs?
1: Ah, I don't know. I didn't notice any.
0: Okay. Oh, that's
1: beautiful. I know, right?
0: So when did you go here?
1: Uh, I've been there a number of times. Um, It is right across uh, from my hometown, Buda. It is an island chain that's kind of out in the ocean. Um, And it's just a stunning landscape. It's just, I mean, my hometown is a really beautiful area too. And this one, uh, there's something about it that, uh, you know, that the the juxtaposition of the ocean rising or you know r- uh, coming right up against these rising granite peaks that go straight up into the sky um and then if you go there you get to appreciate um you know the nordic traditions and kind of their way of life and just this kind of general appreciation for the This landscape and um good fish, and I can imagine yeah,
0: is the lifestyle out there largely spartan
1: uh they have a lot of tourism, obviously when you have people like me who are telling people that that's the place you need to go they <laughs> they end up with a lot of uh they end up with a lot of tourism, but it's a uh, big cod fisheries okay. um and the tour boats will go through there too um and yeah, there's, you know, little towns through there. Um, but it's pretty isolated. <clears throat>
0: Tourist season is it summer, winter?
1: Um, it depends on what you want to go to see. So, um, it's north of the Arctic Circle, so in the wow. winter time you know, from like late, late November to like late January there's not a whole lot of sun, but that's a great time to go and see northern lights. Ah, yeah, I like that. And then if you go in spring, the skiing is incredible. Um, if you're there in the summer, it's really, really great hiking um, so and that, camping. And, so
0: relatively, they actually get four seasons.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fall is really quite beautiful, too
0: is there a changing of the leaves at all or anything like that
1: yeah 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 they have a lot of similar plants to uh you know like northern yeah well like i I mean there's stuff in even in montana that you know i would see in norway it was like oh yeah i forget there's these plants are uh kind of ubiquitous
0: what city would you recommend on the louisville islands
1: um, I think we went to Leknes, which was really kind of cool. How do you spell that? L e k n e s. That is the site where they actually just to the north of there, they have a They excavated a Viking longhouse and they rebuilt a, a Viking longhouse um, so that you can walk through it and you can see exactly what it was like to be a Viking.
0: okay I'm not a fan of the cold but I may need to put this on my bucket list because this looks like fun
1: it's neat Yeah, it's really pretty special
0: number 5 50 mile detour restaurant you're willing to go 50 miles out of your way just to eat at this restaurant
1: oh that is a hard question um, Chico Hot Springs uh, in the Paradise Valley Montana um that's a destination that's where actually my husband and i got married um mm-hmm. but they do beef wellington and they do an orange flambe um, pecan crusted halibut they do this really great fennel breadsticks oh i love fennel We know
0: chico hot springs is this an actual hot spring yeah it is is this so is this like a resort or a, a town, or is Chico Hot Springs the actual name of the restaurant?
1: It's the name of the restaurant, and they have a hotel, and they have, you know, conference facilities. I'll be there in December for a training, so I'm really excited about that. But they have this big, and then they have the big hot springs outside and two different pools. Um, it's right, you know, uh, northern edge of Yellowstone National Park, so a ton of hot spring activity in that area. I like it. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Let's wrap this up. Number six, number one skill. This is the thing you've worked at?
1: Oh, uh, I have been working really hard to get um, good at making sourdough bread. Okay. Yep. Uh, I got sourdough starter from a friend a number of years ago. And um, making sourdough bread is kind of like raising a pet and then eating it so
0: and sourdough is different than other types of bread that you would make
1: yeah because it's naturally leavened because the the sourdough starter that you have is where all the yeasts live and so you have to keep it alive because yeasts are you know living organisms and they consume and they exhale and all that kind of stuff um so your your job as a sourdough owner is to keep it alive uh i keep mine in the fridge um, and then when you're ready to use it, you got to take some out and you got to activate it and feed it and get it ready to go. And then you make your bread and it's like a day long process. Wow. Mm-hmm.
0: Is there a, a bit of a Zen cathartic type of deal going on when you're making it?
1: Yeah, there definitely is. I, this is, this is one of my other theories on life. Uh for those of us who have um jobs where at the end of the day we can't like hold something in our hands and say we did this. Yeah. You know, it's not like like uh, a service. Yeah, or you know, uh even somebody who <coughs> cleans houses or works on a car or you know, paints a paints a house or something you can at the end of the day you can step away and you can look at your hard work and you can say I did this. Yeah. Um, I think when you deal with these kind of untangible work outcomes, uh, you gotta, you gotta fill it somewhere. So for me, making bread is, that's what I hold in my hand at the end of that process. And I'm like, I made it.
0: Do you make any other types of bread?
1: Yeah, I do all kinds of stuff. But But sourdough, sourdough is the one. Sourdough, that takes it takes skill it takes time it takes patience and I've been I've been working hard to get it right and I have a lot to learn
0: last one number one talent
1: this um, is, uh, innate proficiency uh, I didn't know this until I started doing mountain races but climbing up really steep uh, pitches uh, climb, like climbing up really steep trails is something I'm actually good at and I'm not good at running on flats. I'm not good at running on inclines. I'm not good at downhilling. But get me on a 45-degree slope, and I can go up.
0: And is this a matter of finding your feet? Or is this a matter of keeping the same speed that you had on the flat?
1: Um, It's a matter of being, I think, like being comfortable in the setting. Oh, okay. um, And then, I don't know, like... I do, the, you know, the, these races I do that have these kind of sections where it's really, really steep. You'll see people are pull off to the side and, you know, they're catching their breath and like hands on their knees. For some reason, I never have to do that. And I don't know why.
0: Hmm. Are you a swimmer?
1: No. I think I maybe have mountain goat jeans in there somewhere. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Because the girl, and like the woman that I train with uh a lot of them just blow me out of the water in all these other situations uh but climbing i can hold my own
0: that's where you catch up to everybody huh
1: mm-hmm.
0: all right well Sonny, thank you so much for coming on the podcast thank you Ray. especially you know being with the connection through laura and everything i was so happy that she was like hey i got someone for you <laughs> <laughs> and this has been definitely a pleasant surprise and hopefully next time you come to dc we'll be able to host you again that'd be lovely all right. Uh, do you have any social media or website or anything that you want to share with the listeners?
1: Uh, they can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, uh, but yeah, no. What
0: about the website for the National Association of Conservation Districts?
1: NACDnet.org NACDnet. I've had this job for less than a year, so I better make sure that that's right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's been another episode of Guestbook Podcast. As always, if you want to reach me. innkeeper at union indc.com. The website is the suffix com, The Instagram, also at UnionNDC. For the end for the podcast, it's at guestbook pod. And for my personal Instagram, if you want to slide in my DMs and say, Freddie, we love the podcast. Keep it going, give me some encouragement keep on pushing it's at innkeeper freddie that's freddie with an ie again sunny thank you so much for coming onto the podcast this has been an absolute pleasure and perhaps we'll have you on a part two next time you're here
1: excellent well thank you for having me it's been really a fabulous experience for me
0: thank you thank you ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for listening and we will see you next week You know the guy who wrote Lord Grizzly.
1: Yeah, he was a dad of my mom's good friend. Mm-hmm. I think he probably visited our farm when we were kids a long, long time ago. But I, it's funny. I, I, you know, like when I was a kid, I remember seeing that book on our bookshelf. Yeah.
0: Lord Grizzly, by the way, is the book upon which The Revenant was based. You had mentioned to me that that actually wasn't shot In South Dakota
1: When I see that I think Pacific Northwest
0: Really so it it doesn't even look
1: No it doesn't look like South Dakota to me Mm -mm. Those big old Like huge trees I mean there's big ponderosas in South Dakota But uh, that doesn't look To me like South Dakota But I only saw it once